0: Welcome to the Femme Fatale podcast, where we interview some of the coolest female identifying folks in film. This episode, we are super excited to introduce our third guest from Not Too Far Away in Montreal, Ashley Duong. Ashley Duong is a writer, producer, and director from Calgary who is currently based in Montreal. Her work focuses on amplifying marginalized voices with participatory documentary practices. She'll speak more to that this episode, but essentially what that means is really including the person whose story it is in the actual practice of making the film itself. So she's best known for her debut feature, A Time to Swim, where she practices this methodology, and today we'll sit down with Ashley to discuss how she started out in the industry, hear more about her experiences making this first feature film, answer what is feminist filmmaking, and more! Thank you so much for being part of my podcast. This
1: is the first time I've been on a podcast. I've been like interviewed before, but I've never... I guess I've never like technically been on a podcast. I've been like on the radio. That's cool. That's similar. But I love podcasts and I like listen... I like listen to so many podcasts. What's
0: your favorite one?
1: Favorite one.
0: Or like top three or something. Like what do you listen to recently?
1: Well, I listen to um invisibilia i enjoyed that recently
0: oh what's that
1: it's like this podcast that talks about the things that that might be invisible in our world but that like shape it
0: cool Um, that sounds really interesting i haven't heard of that but that sounds really
1: good i like it and i also have been listening a bit to this podcast called on being She's a really good interviewer, Krista Tippett, and she has great guests and is,
0: like, asking some of the bigger questions. Cool. Yeah, that sounds very philosophical. (laughs) So, my first question is, how would you describe yourself in three words? This isn't, this can be general.
1: Like, do you mean, how would I, like, what my, like, how would I list my professional titles or do you mean like my personality?
0: you I mean or... like your personality. Like you know those like camp games where it's just like you have <laughs> to go around like describing yourself with various challenges. Just one of those. Like who are you in three words? Not necessarily your profession, but just like you as a person. Okay. Okay.
1: Um I'll try this, although I I do hope that I've lived my life in a way where you cannot just sum up my being in three words as, most pe- as you can with most people.
0: But- um, That's such a good I, point. I hadn't considered that when I came up with that question. <laughs> I thought of it more as just like, oh, these are the, some funky ways to say who I am. But yes, you've definitely lived larger than three words.
1: <laughs> but I guess it would be that I would be, um, okay, three words. Adventurous, cries easily.
0: that's awesome it's a sentence too which is great as like Uh, as a whole like you're adventurous but cry easily like that's like a connected idea
1: yeah yeah I guess so I mean I I don't know I could give you other three
0: words (laughs) (laughs) no I love it I feel like that's communicating a lot more than three words like that's a great way to just totally trick the system Briefly summarize what kind of work you do, and then I'll ask you the other question after that.
1: (laughs) Okay, um, well, I am a filmmaker, which can mean lots of things, but I mostly direct, edit, write, sometimes produce. I recently finished a feature-length film, which you saw, and that was about um, the personal and political stakes of an exiled indigenous activist from Borneo. And I also... Um, sometimes do short form content or interactive projects. I, over the last few years, I've been working on series of short documentaries for CBC Arts. And then in my work more generally, I'd say that like, I've been trying to figure out like methods, especially recently of like how to document dreams, spirits, and other immaterial aspects of our world. And to do this, it's really hard because you can't you know, it's things that you can't really see. It's like people's beliefs and imagination. And, and so I've been borrowing from like fiction techniques and sensory ethnography techniques and contemporary dance techniques. And so through trying to do this, I've gotten to explore a lot of different practices and that's been fun. And um, my next two projects, two separate feature projects that center on the VITQ experience, which is Vietnamese people who live abroad. One's a fiction and one's a documentary, but they're both kind of both. And yeah, so that's what I've been working on recently. And that pretty much is, do you have other questions?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think like in terms of um, the work that I've seen of yours, I saw your feature film, as you mentioned, and it was really incredible. And I'm especially interested in, um, in just like as someone who's interested in, in working in documentary in the future, but still a bit unsure of that, I'm especially interested in how you're approaching it, which I feel like is very like methodology focused. And as like also a gender studies student, I find it really fascinating that you're approaching your creative work as you would like say a paper or a thesis or as some sort of like more academic work. I don't know if that's how you would describe it, but that's kind of like how I understood it when you were first talking to me about it, which I think is um it's just so fascinating and also important that we're like very reflective in the way that we do our work as well um which I think is just super cool so that's all sounds really exciting and I'm looking forward to your new pieces um to be able to watch those as well um and yeah like I think definitely this might have art you already sort of touched on it but basically I was in this film program in high school that was um a bit crazy, uh, very (laughs) intensive uh, sometimes. And at the end of the four-year program, we were asked to reflect on our work and summarize one question. We talked about how filmmakers often are asking one question with their work. Um, We're thinking about this in particular as being like, uh, like fictional or experimental work, but I feel like it can be true about nonfiction work as well, even if maybe it's a little bit or I don't know, maybe it's clear, maybe it's less clear, but um, basically that filmmakers are always kind of asking one question through all their films. And I was wondering if you have a question that's like your one question. Hmm.
1: Yeah, like, it's funny, because I think when I, the reason I was so attracted to documentary filmmaking, and, and filmmaking in general, is that I imagined that it would be a way where you can be interested in a lot of things, where you can spend several years totally immersed in one topic and one story. And then after that, you can just like totally reinvent (laughs) the work. But I don't know if that's true. I'm like seeing more and more that like, even if I think the topics are really different, I am returning to certain themes like I've been working in film maybe about 10 years now and like I'm only beginning to like realize oh like these are the themes that I keep coming back to like one thing I'm questioning is like I'm really curious about you know like to me it's clear that the capitalistic patriarchal society that we and most of the world live in um, is not working it's not working for the environment it's not working for Many people, and I don't really know what alternatives look like. And that Mm -hmm. is something that I've been wanting to explore. Like, I want to know. I guess that's partly why, like, some of my work has felt a bit anthropologic in the past. I am interested in, like, how people can find alternative ways to live their lives and how that works out for them and how, like, and what that being like that feels like. I think even when I'm like not, you know, my last film, A Time to Swim, was filmed in Borneo and in a very remote location. But like even when I'm like working in Montreal, like we were filming this series called Canada's a Drag about drag kings and drag queens. I I was curious about like how do I step out of this like norm and like how how can you envision a world that's more inclusive and healthier? I think that question follows a lot of what I
0: do yeah that's really incredible and I feel like that we talked about um some of your your um sort of I can't remember when this conversation was but I feel like we talked about it at some point maybe this is just when you visited our classroom um about how to bring your subjects like into the process of filmmaking as well um I was wondering if you want to talk a little bit more about that but that definitely sounds like that sounds like your question and then also in some ways your answer maybe at the same time or like trying out an answer of just different approaches to the actual method of filmmaking
1: um yeah like i i'm still trying to figure out ways of incorporating my participants more into the process like we talked about earlier it's not so easy just to ask ask them to ask if there's questions they want to talk about like that it's it it still requires like leading because I think that that helps your participants. But um, like there was a a music video I did recently. It's called Relequa, And it's um, the first music video in the indigenous language of Kelabit, which is an indigenous language in um, Malaysia. And that was really cool. And I was working with this great musician. Since it was a project a lot about how she's integrating modern and traditional ways in her life. Like I wanted it, all the motifs and a lot of the feelings to come from her. And so we really, like we produced it together, we made it together. And we really tried to think of like, I guess, how to translate an experience into um, a visual and auditory form. and that was a, it was a really fun project because I felt like it was very collaborative and it, it's not always easy to be very collaborative because you have to give up some of your creative control, um, <laughs> and actually listen to people besides who, who, like, even if necessary, like something you might not have necessarily done it a certain way, but it, it, it's part of the nature of like real collaboration. And I think that's a tension for a lot of documentary filmmakers is figuring out how to balance like what you have in mind as your like artistic vision or like trying to develop your artistic voice with really working with what's happening in the world and like what your participants' like experiences are and how they see themselves, which might not be how you see them. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that must be difficult, too, as much as it might not be the priority, like, and when you're collaborating, you do have to give up a certain amount of, like, what your vision is to invite other people into that vision and invite your, like, and allow them to invite you into their vision, Um, but it must be hard, too, to sort of see, uh, yeah, see your creativity in a new way, I guess, because I, I feel like when... I'm making a film. Um, Normally I do that pretty much all by myself. And um, a lot of my films are like very experimental and like self-reflection. So they don't really require like a big crew. Like I'm not working on a very professional level. It's, it's very, it's more of like a passion project. Um, And I imagine that in terms of like how I work, it's, it's since it's just me, it's very easy to work with whatever I'm doing creatively, but also like not have to like communicate that much because I'm just talking to myself about what the ideas are. Um, So it's definitely a lot of like a whole set of tools to be able to really open up your ideas to other people and be able to like really clearly communicate how you want something to look or how you feel about a certain image or a certain story and being able to work with someone else on that story. I feel like that, that would take like an extra... Um, I don't know, it just takes the extra time maybe, um, but I think in like a very positive way. I'm curious about like what your favorite project has been to work on um, creatively, like for the process, but then also like, what was your like most proud, was, what project are you most proud of like when it finished? Cause I know for some people that's a different sort of story, <laughs> um, if for you it's the same thing. I'm curious about that too,
1: but yeah. Yeah, okay, so Process versus what I'm proud of. Um, well, okay, so, like, I spent the last seven years working on A Time to Swim. It's hard for me to th- to say, like, I feel like I am most proud of that film because I remember, like, I, one of, like, the biggest moments for me in my career is when I showed the film to my participants for the first time, and we had spent years together making this, so I was nervous as like extremely nervous about showing them this film. And when they were watching it and laughing and like, I was just like, I was just like crying the whole time that they were watching the film. And it was like very emotionally like tense. If they felt like it was really untrue to their experience is like, I was like, I don't know what I can do about that at this point. <laughs> and, um, but I'm glad that it, had an impact and it like found an audience. um, And I've heard from a lot of people from that area. And um, I think that it was also like the first time I directed it, I learned so much in it. Like it felt like a one on like a crash course on how to make films. Cause I've, before that I had been, I had done a lot of different roles. So I had been like production managers on, feature documentaries or script supervisors on fiction films or like many different roles that just like were in and around directing, but I had never done it. So there was a lot of learning happening. (laughs) And so I think I grew a lot with that project. I think that my, like, if I were to make it now, it would be definitely different, but like, I, I'm, I really appreciate that, that experience. Yeah, And plus, I was, like, boating around in, like, with, like, this amazing people in, like, the middle of the Borneo rainforest for, like, months, and that was an experience on its own, like, the actual process of being there was um, an adventure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems like such a uniquely intensive, like, pro, or maybe not even uniquely, but just, like, such an intensive project, um, because the process was long and also um was like i mean i'm guessing that you were based in montreal for the most of the time that you were making it so like just Mm -hmm. far away as well um to 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 create um but yeah so i mean i imagine that you kind of just have to feel so connected to it as well because you've invested so much time and energy into working with those people and making those connections and 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 like like truly developing the story which i feel like really came across in the film as well. and i think it's all part
1: of the process like films change like you shouldn't you don't need to stay married to like the original treatment you wrote like three four years ago um i think everybody understands that especially with documentary um where you're not you're not the only writer in the film like there's also life that writes a lot of the film for you Mm -hmm. um or unwrites a lot of your film for you. For that film, like originally it was a film about a dam, like a hydroelectric dam project. And that's not in the film at all anymore. And that's partly to do with like um like the the dam was like still being built and like it kind of fizzled out and they weren't sure if it was gonna be built and 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 also like I think by that time I had wanted a more I had gotten to know the community better long appear the village I was staying in and I realized mm-hmm. that like that's not really the story that affects my main character Mutang it's more about the story of like how his community like how he how he's trying to f- figure out how to fit into this community where like so much has changed people mm-hmm. who were like defending the forest before are now bringing in development projects and like how do you reconcile that and that seemed like more the heart of what um, was upsetting him. And I mean, of course, if a hydroelectric dam project was built, that would have been disastrous. And, um, but it, it kind of like didn't happen. (laughs) So, so
0: I guess sometimes your whole topic changes. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. So do you, do you feel like your film changed when it became more of a study between like individuals in a community?
1: I mean, I think I was always interested in, um, it's an oral history for the Calabit. It's like really hard for people to understand what it's like to have your history erased. Like even like I'm ai am a second generation immigrant, like my parents are Vietnamese and they worry all the time about like me not being able to speak Vietnamese or um, like losing my culture, but then like like, I could go back to Vietnam and, like, learn the language better or whatever, but that's not something that's available to small cultures that are undergoing a lot of um, transition. And I think that was, like, what I was interested in. The flooding was was more of just, like, I guess an inciting incident.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, and maybe continuing on this project, was there, like, an experience... Um, I mean, you've spoken a bit about how, like, how, um, fantastic and interesting it was to be working with, like, a specific group of people, um, over such a long period of time and having, like, um, like, wonderful moments on set and difficult moments on set, I'm sure, too. Um, yeah, are there any experiences that stood out to you? I guess especially, like, on-set experiences, I guess especially in terms of, like, finding your place as a filmmaker for this project. Um, and if you want to talk about a different project as well, that's totally cool. Um, but just in terms of like finding, are there any experiences that stood out as, um, as like a moment where you felt good in your role as a filmmaker, I guess, or moments that were like really challenging in that role?
1: I can think of like a lesson learned.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I remember like when we first went to Longnipier. um, I just went to the headman of the village and was like, explained to him what we were doing, why we were doing it, asked for permission, all that. And I thought that that was it. Like, that's all I needed to do. And he would pass it on to everybody else. And of course, I would ask people individually if I was filming them, but I didn't really like present the project to the community besides just presenting it to the headman. And I realized that you can't expect you got to, you got to do the legwork, especially if you're going into a small community. Like I realized I probably should, and I did this like two shoots in, but I went door to door and talked to everybody in the entire village to tell them like, this is why, like, this is what we're doing. This is why, like, how would would they want to contribute and what their thoughts were. And, and I probably should have done that the first trip, but it's like, it's not something I I realized that I needed to do. And they're, I felt like there was a lot of things that, you know, when you start, you don't realize maybe it would be a good idea to do. And everything's Mm -hmm. so, like, context-specific, but um, Mm -hmm. that's something I would do in the future if I was filming in a small community. (laughs) Um, Also, I think something that I learned from doing that project was before I started the project, I had um, worked with a lot of more experienced filmmakers, and Mm -hmm. a lot of them told me, like, I was asking how you get somebody to really open up because Mm -hmm. I feel like people especially someone like Mu Tang who's been in the news a lot he has like this persona that that he's used to doing when he's on camera but that's not necessarily what I wanted I wanted something more personal
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and I think what a lot of the advice I was getting and maybe this is just a style thing I did notice that a lot of advice came from male filmmakers but they were like oh you just like when they're having a moment, like, you just film them enough that they forget the camera's there. And then when when they have a moment, like, just, like, make sure you're there to film it. Um, yeah. Like, if they have a breakdown or, like, something. Yeah. Um, and I realized that that first didn't feel good for me. Like, I didn't yeah. want to just ambush somebody. And two, like, I don't think it works because people are you have a lot of responsibility as a filmmaker. Like you were in charge of somebody's personal image and the way that the world sees them. And that is a heavy responsibility. And like, they're not going to just forget about it after like yeah. the, having the camera there does change things. Um, so I realized what worked better for me was to like, just be like super transparent and honest. And I just like, just told my participant that I was working with that, like, I want him to intentionally, like, make himself vulnerable, like, right. as a gift to this yeah. project by, like, actually letting us into his emotions. Um, and that's, that is something that I think somebody has to intentionally do. Um, yeah. And want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And I felt like after that conversation, um, he realized that he didn't have to just be this leader figure that he's used to, and that that he he could sh- share his worries and fears and harder moments. Yeah, but that was also like year like we'd been working together for several years, so I, I think it is like everything about filmmaking about relationship building.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this festival is for for um, young young femmes who don't. Feel who feel like they need a new community or a new space to be creative. Um, I'm kind of curious as well as like asking my interview interviewees um, what like what their experiences have been and where those have been like positive and where those have been challenging or where what inspiration they find. Um, and yeah,
1: that's why I'm thinking like I wonder what a more feminist way of filmmaking is because sometimes like maybe the problem isn't that that I don't look like an authority figure. It's that, like, filmmaking should not be so hierarchical. I'm not sure. But I think that, like, there has been, like, frustrating moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a female filmmaker, but there's also been a lot of good moments. And, like, for me, I can't really separate being a woman from being a racialized woman. Mm -hmm. So... I think like I f- I found some good communities, some of the communities and groups I'm part of are like specifically for people of color filmmakers, and like that's been really rewarding and 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 like gives me a sense of like um, community, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I I'm in like lucky that I, at least recently I've been in the position where I get to choose a lot of people I work with. So, like, I work with a lot of women, like women sound editors, women producers, women editors, like, and I mean, I also work with men, but I get to choose the one. Maybe that's the, one of the nice things about being uh, a woman filmmaker is that it weeds out a lot of people that you probably wouldn't want to work with anyways. Right. <laughs> I think one thing that's been really amazing for me for festivals is, like, being part of the... Asian-American or Asian-Canadian film circuits, um, Mm -hmm. which are, I guess, just really supportive communities. And um, you get to meet, like, people who are maybe grappling with similar themes and topics. And, um, yeah, that's been, like, really amazing for building community.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm sure, like, the same could be said for, like, the Indigenous film festival market, like, circuits, or, like, some of these smaller film circuits, um, like environmental ones are, are like, they, they can be really nice. Cause they're not usually huge festivals and they, it can be more like you don't get lost in the festival as much. Yeah. I've enjoyed that. What advice I would give young filmmakers who are like trying to do larger projects. I think you just do it step-by-step step.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and you just like, I guess one thing that like, I was asking a lot of filmmakers before I, when I was like, Um, Starting out, like, how do you become a filmmaker? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And basically, like, one person was just like, you know, a filmmaker just means somebody who made a film. So, like, just go and make a film, and then you're a filmmaker. It's like there's not that much to it. I think it was at the time it was helpful advice. Like, I think later on you can see you can figure out the challenges, but like at the moment that like that that attitude of like, well, I'll just Just do it and see what happens. Like, is freeing.
0: And then my last question is, well, it's two parter. The first part is when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: This is really funny because I have this yearbook from grade five where I say that I want to be like an international journalist. Um which I guess like is not so far off from what I do. Um but I I see my best friend and she said in hers that she wanted to be a ninja. Like at the time, my best friend in grade five. And I, we had like lost touch and I met her recently again and I asked her what she did. And she's like basically a ninja. She's, she runs a martial arts studio.
0: That's so cool. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny.
1: So, So I feel like we both like went pretty close to, I think when I was a kid, I didn't realize that I could be a filmmaker. Because it just, like, seemed like, oh, you have to be like Steven Spielberg or something. Like, I'd never seen anybody who was a filmmaker who was remote, <laughs> remotely like me. And so it just didn't seem like something or
0: that was possible. And then my second part of that question is, what do you want to be when you grow up now? <laughs> hmm. hmm. I mean, I I love what I do now.
1: I wouldn't teach. I I wish I had, like, I wish there was more funding. But besides that, like, there's just so much to learn, like, both in terms of craft, in terms of storytelling, and in terms of, like, the stories that you can choose and the topics that you can learn about. Like, it's hard for me to imagine doing anything else although sometimes I daydream about it like I'm like maybe I'll just like do something totally different like become a farmer because then like I can tell for sure that like people need food nice. <laughs> that's clear <laughs> or like <It's> obvious <laughs> um things that feel more tangible or like sometimes I wish that I could work more with my hands and I'd love to figure out ways to make filmmaking more embodied which is why I was like curious about somatics and dance and Um, ways to incorporate that into a filmmaking practice but yeah Mm -hmm. there is definitely moments where I daydream of doing something a lot a little bit more embodied (laughs) but yeah I think for now like I still when you when I grow up I I would still like to be a filmmaker
0: (laughs) yeah that's good (laughs) you're already on the right track well it was really great chatting with you thank you so much for being a guest on this um on this podcast thank you for inviting me this Mm -hmm. was fun yay that's awesome and those are like it's a really great conversation and i really appreciate also just that this podcast is allowing me to reach out to people and talk about film (laughs) talk about being creative for a bit i think it's a it's a great um i haven't been doing that quite a bit recently and it's uh, it's a great way to spend a morning yeah yeah
1: bye bye
0: Thank you for listening to the Femme Fatale podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Femme Fatale Film Festival. This episode was recorded by Astrid Moore and Ashley Duong. The music is courtesy of Epidemic Sound. The track is titled Red Red Shoes and it is by Tsar Donik. I would also like to extend a huge thank you to my lovely team, Naya Hofer, Temple Ray, and Ona Plucenic. And to everyone who has been part of Femme Fatale over the years, thank you. Signing off for now, catch us next time chatting with another femme fatale.